Welcome to the Cover Crop Strategies podcast. I'm Sarah Hill, Associate Editor. Today's program is brought to you by Yetter Manufacturing. I'd like to take a moment to thank Yetter Manufacturing for sponsoring today's episode. With a tradition of providing farmers solutions since 1930, Yetter Manufacturing Company is your answer for tools and equipment to face today's production agriculture demands. From many different designs of planter attachments for the different planting conditions you face, to several options of equipment for placing fertilizer and products to meet harvest time challenges, Yetter delivers the return on investment and tools to meet your equipment needs and maximize inputs. Find solutions to your challenges today at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. Today, I'd like to introduce Aaron Day, Associate Professor of Soil Physics and Hydrology with North Dakota State University. Aaron will be discussing soil compaction and cover crops. Welcome to the podcast, Aaron. Thank you. Happy to be here. So to get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am a research scientist that studies essentially how things move, or in some cases, how things are prevented from moving uh, in the top several feet or meters of the ground. So in the case of today's topic on soil compaction, it falls within my area of research because compaction is how soil itself moves and the interesting consequences of how soil compaction then prevents other things from moving like crop roots and water and air. In your experience, what have you seen are some of the causes of soil compaction? So in agricultural fields, the the main cause of compaction is typically agricultural equipment. The wheel traffic uh, that goes through that field, the implements that are pulled across it, all of these machinery have a lot of weight to them. Equipment has become larger and larger and heavier and heavier in the recent decades. And so on our uh, crop production fields, that's the main cause uh, typically is just simply traffic. So every time that a combine or planter or tractors moves across that field or pulls an implement or a, a grain cart or a manure applicator, there's a lot of load that's being transferred onto the ground. And those loads, they present the opportunity for compaction to occur. One of the things that we see in recent years in the last couple of decades with compaction is that it's, it's getting deeper and deeper. And it's because of our equipment has gotten bigger and heavier. Back in the 1950s and 1960s, the axle loads were much lighter. So compaction typically was occurred only in the top few inches of the soil. Today, where we have some axle loads uh, of grain carts getting up over 40 tons per axle, that compaction is now pushing several feet down into the ground. And so the cause is still the same from the agricultural equipment. However, the depth that a compaction is occurring has certainly became deeper and deeper as equipment has grown larger. That's really startling uh, that, that compaction can go that deep in the, the soil. Talk with us a little bit about why deep tillage might not be the best answer to alleviating that soil compaction. So deep tillage 
typically in a lot of cases, uh, it just simply can't get underneath where the compaction is now. Several decades ago, a deep ripper that extended down a, a foot and a half could probably get underneath the bottom edge. And when you pull a ripper across the field, it, the ripper pushes forward, but more importantly, it also pries up. And so it, when people talk about a ripper being able to fracture or uh, uh, shatter a compaction layer, it's from actually that forward and upward kind of lifting underneath of the compaction layer that causes it to crumble. The reason why they don't work so well these days is because you can't get, it's hard to get underneath where the compaction layer is at. You might alleviate some of it, but there's still an underlying layer that's going to cause water to probably perch on top of it and cause aeration issues with the crop. It's still going to cause issues with roots trying to get through that underlying layer that you just couldn't reach and get underneath. Deep rippers, even if they used to work on particular fields a couple decades ago, they easily may not work as efficiently uh, underneath the current operations uh, with the equipment on the fields. So that's one of the reasons for it. The other reason, you have to have the right moisture conditions in the field for a deep ripper to actually do its job and the fracture that soil and, and break up and cause these, these cracks for water, air, and roots to be able to get through. If the soil is too wet and soft, it, when you pull a deep ripper through it, you can actually just cause kind of these slickened over uh, planes and, and uh, in the soil. So we call it smearing of the soil. The one insult to compaction is smearing. And that'll cause actually crop yields to become potentially worse too. In the research world, if you look at all the studies that have been done around the globe on deep ripping, and you look at what's the odds of this actually having a outcome on my crop yields for the next year after I do it, it doesn't have a high odds of success. Typically, what we'll see is that about 50% of the time, there's no difference in it. And so it's time, energy, effort, uh, and money that was put into the effort. And we didn't see even a change on yields to try to pay for the cost of doing the deep ripping. About 25% of the time, you will see a yield increase. And those are typically on fields that the year after the ripping was done, there was particularly dry conditions, and the crop really needed to get roots down deep to find deeper water. That's when we see deep ripping occasionally uh, have a benefit for it. Interestingly, there's another 25% of the time, the remaining 25% of the time, to where we see yields actually go the opposite direction. They become worse, and that's because of that smearing that occurs. And those are particularly prone in soft soils like uh, or soils that are high in silts or in areas that are not prone to uh, dry, uh, excessive dry and drought-like symptoms during uh, the growing season. So more humid climates, we tend to see deep ripping not be as effective. And that actually answers one of my next questions, which we're just talking about the the impact of soil compaction on crop yields. Let's go ahead to uh, another question. When a farmer goes out to their field, what are some visual indicators or are there any that a grower might have a soil compaction issue? Can they tell just by looking at the field on top? Yes, a lot of times they can. Uh, if you notice a field is after a rainfall is 
holding water, ponding, or just the soil seems to be excessively wet for a prolonged period of time, more than what it used to, then that could be a sign that you have a compaction problem that has developed. A lot of times it's not necessarily surprising because agricultural equipment, when compaction is caused by that, you kind of know it a little bit of ahead of time. For instance, in our region here in North Dakota uh, and in Minnesota, the 2019 harvest was really difficult because we had a lot of moisture on the landscape during harvest. And a lot of crops actually had to overwinter into the spring. And then we had a wet spring and conditions uh, continued to be difficult there. And so when you drove down the road, you just saw field after field that had ruts, wheel traffic ruts in them. Sometimes it was a full length of the field and you could tell every pass of the combine where it had occurred. And when you have deep ruts, you know, you're talking about three, four, five, six, eight, nine inches deep uh, in some cases. And when you have ruts like that, you know that you have compaction that is extending not only down to the bottom of the topsoil, but well into the subsoil too, and potentially uh, two, three feet down into the ground. And so in those cases, you know that you're, you have soil compaction. There's just no doubt about it. The best case in those uh, situations, even after the ruts get filled in so you can get in and physically plant the next uh, crop for the next year, is that compaction is going to be there. And so when you have big rainfalls or intense rainfalls come, excessive prolonged moisture in the field and ponding, a real possibility and something you would likely see in that field. Another interesting way to uh, visually tell is actually just look at either some drone footage of your fields, aerial photographs, or even getting on something like Google Earth and zooming down in. You will see fields that are in the middle of the growing season where crops should be, you know, completing their canopy cover, filling in, and you can see all the wheel traffic just not from that year, but from the previous year, maybe even years before that, show up in your fields. So you can see patterns actually showing up in the greenness of your fields and satellite images. And it's something to where if you're curious about how prone your region is to these types of issues, you might get on and just kind of scroll around your neighborhood and see how many fields can you see the, the residual effects or the old scars of wheel traffic on the crop fields around you. Other than, obviously, you've talked about how uh, soil compaction will affect crop yields, but are there other impacts as well that soil compaction can have on how well a cash crop grows and, and soil health in general? Yes, on the cash crop itself, a lot of times in compacted areas, the plant stands, the populations, they may not be impacted as much, but what you will see is that the compacted areas, those plants, they will be, tend to be stunted in their growth and they'll also lag behind in their growth stage. So you'll start seeing them, you know, going to cobs or pods later than the areas that aren't affected by compaction for it. You can also see that if you get a couple weeks dry spell, those areas, the leaves may start rolling from drought-like symptoms a little bit earlier because the roots haven't been able to get deep down into the soil profile to use deeper water during those periods when it needs it. 
so you'll start seeing those kind of symptoms set on in compacted areas. Occasionally, you might even see some nutrient deficiencies with it because uh, when you start having drought-like symptoms, the drought-like symptoms, because not as much water is getting into the plant, if that goes on long enough and the plant survives it, you'll start seeing nutrient deficiencies start emerging along with it too. So those tend to get coupled together and you'll start seeing those symptoms for it. For the actual yields on crops, it's actually quite surprisingly consistent among cash crop species on the yield consequences from compaction. So if you had a field that you know that you have subsoil compaction in because ruts occurred in the previous harvest or something like that. In those fields, you can expect anywhere from a 15 to 35% uh, yield reduction, just not for the next year, but for the year after that as well. This is usually wow. a multi-year consequence. Where you sit at and how bad it is uh, depends on a lot of things on your field, your soil type, the texture, even the mineralogy of the clays that are out there. Some clays, if you have fields that naturally crack during dry periods, those ones will actually probably be better off because they kind of self-remediate themselves than soils that naturally don't crack. It's very situational for the types of soils that you have. But if you look at, you know, if you're right in the middle, kind of the 50th percentile in how severe the consequence is, you can expect around a 20 to 21% yield reduction for the next couple of years in those fields. If the compaction wasn't as severe and you're kind of on the better 25 percentile side, it's going to be still around 15% reduction. If you're some of the Worst case scenarios that are in the 75 percentile in severity, then you're looking around that 35% yield reduction. Even pushing uh, up to crop failure in some areas, those areas would be perhaps where like a grain cart completely got buried up to the axle and you had to bring in multiple other pieces of equipment to bring it out and perhaps had to get a uh, uh, some other heavy duty equipment to fill in those ruts to be able to plant more than what a chisel plow or, or other tillage implement could do to fill in those kind of areas. A 15 to 35% reduction in yield, that could be devastating for a, a grower's bottom line. We'll be right back to the podcast, but first I want to thank our sponsor. With a tradition of providing farmers solutions since 1930, Yetter Manufacturing Company is your answer for tools and equipment to face today's production agriculture demands. From many different designs of planter attachments for the different planting conditions you face, to several options of equipment for placing fertilizer and products to meet harvest time challenges, Yetter delivers the return on investment and tools to meet your equipment needs and maximize inputs. Find solutions to your challenges today at getterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. And now back to the podcast. Some growers may think that, especially in some of those wet spring conditions that uh, you mentioned earlier, they, they might have the idea that tilling the soil might help the soil dry out faster so they can then get in the field sooner for planting. Is this idea unfounded? Is there any merit to that? Or um, is that just not 
a good idea to, to do. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it, there. There is some merit to the idea that tilling the soil can help the soil dry out. That that does happen, but it, it's more of a question of how much drier and how much water can you remove by tillage itself. So, you know, it's it's one of the things that we think about when tillage, particularly these days with the crop varieties that we have, there's a lot of residue on the ground. So we do tillage a lot for for many reasons, but probably its biggest function in modern days is as a means of residue management, particularly in high residue uh, systems, perhaps if you have uh, continuous uh, corn crops or, uh, or other systems that just produce a lot of, of residue out in the field. So if you think about how it's managing the residue, a soil that is 100% covered in residue and has, let's say, you know, two, three inches of this residue mat laying on, on the surface of it. If you thin down that residue layer down to about an inch, then not a whole lot happens. You, you'll get a little bit of drying, but not a whole lot happens with thinning it down uh, that much. When you get below an inch, you start seeing a, a, a lot of water evaporating out of that soil and the soil will start drying right at the surface. If you, you know, reduce a one inch residue layer all the way down to a bare soil, you'll see that soil dry out about 70% more than what it would have with still having that solid residue cover on it. But that only lasts for maybe a week. And that 70% is just right off the bat. And you, you move another three, four days down from there, that's been, that rate has been cut in half. You move another three, four days down from that with no new rainfall. And now the field is drying just as quickly whether it has residue on it or whether it doesn't. The drying effect from tillage, from managing that residue layer, the benefit is very situational on how frequent your rainfalls are. If it's just raining every week, it's not gonna dry out no matter what your tillage operation is. If you don't get any rainfall, well, for several weeks, then everything's gonna be dry no matter what your residue management is anyways. It's kind of that middle ground to where you have rains every once a week, once every two weeks. That's when tillage can dry down that soil a bit faster than if it's covered with residue on it. However, tillage only moves so much water. One of the things that we really emphasize in our area and, and in other areas too is that you can't use tillage to fix a drainage problem. A lot of times when we talk about compaction from wheel traffic, from agricultural equipment passes out on the field, the amount of water that you can drive from tillage, that's just not in the same ballpark as the amount of water that you need to move for trafficability on your fields. If you have fields that are prone to holding a lot of water, they're prone to getting ruts and compaction uh, quite often. They've been the, your problem fields for quite some time. If you're managing the water on those fields with tillage, you might be using the wrong tool. You need to start thinking about perhaps, you know, other options like tile drainage or ditch drainage or some other water management tool that just moves more water than what tillage can do itself. A lot of times too, what we can see is that if similar as the deep ripping situation earlier, where we talked about the deep ripper, if it's done when the soil is too wet, it can cause smearing. Using, you know, your regular 
primary or secondary tillage implements like a chisel plow or a disc or a, a field cultivator, if those are done when it's for the purpose of drying a soil, you can pretty much assume right away that you're tilling too wet. The chance for smearing the soil, causing these slabs that are kind of like, you can imagine like shredded tire bits out on a field, that's what can happen for it. General rule of thumb is that if it's too wet to plant, it's too wet to till. And a lot of times when we use tillage to dry soils to plant, you're automatically too wet to be using that. And we've seen in our research plots, on-farm research, to where tillage that is done for the purpose of drying the soil and is done too wet can actually have, like in the corn systems, that can have a six, seven, eight bushel per acre consequence by doing that tillage versus if you hadn't have done it. Say a grower has some ruts in their field. They maybe are starting to see some yield declines and they suspect that it's due to soil compaction. What would be your advice to them on the best way to correct that soil compaction problem? And how long might it take to revive that field? So in those situations, what we typically advise folks to do is right away just just worry about filling in the ruts so you can get the next crop planted rather than going after the compaction underneath that rut. So in those cases, you know, if you have a, a rut that's four inches deep or shallower, we would suggest using a secondary tillage implement just in those areas, something like a field cultivator to go in or, ver or a very shallow vertical till implement and go in and just set the depth shallower than the bottom of the rut and use a couple light passes just to fill it in and smooth out the field so you can plant it. If it's deeper than four inches, then you might need something like a chisel plow to go in, but still don't aim for below that compaction because compacted soil holds a lot of water. And as again, as we mentioned earlier, only insult to compaction is smeared compacted soil. Since that compacted soil is holding water, it's going to take longer to dry out than it typically would to get in there with a tillage implement to break and fracture it up. So we don't recommend going after the compaction underneath the rut right away. Just fill them in, get it planted. Then see how bad it's going to be that next year. You know you're going to have a yield consequence from it, but some fields by the type of soils that they have, whether those soils naturally crack or they don't, they can. some soils will heal themselves. And the reason where I'm at uh, here in North Dakota, we have a lot of soils, we call them vertisols. They have this particular type of clay mineral in it called smectites, and they shrink and swell and shrink and swell and they crack. And that is a natural alleviation tool for alleviating compaction. And here, those cracks can go down several feet. We found cracks even that go down eight, nine feet, much deeper than anything mechanically that you can do yourself. So in those soils, they can help heal themselves for it. And other soils that don't have that natural alleviation through cracking for it, we suggest getting in as many crops and root systems as you can because crops roots themselves, they can get down into that soil and they can start creating new pathways and macropores to be able to let water flow down through that compaction layer. Once they rot out, they can let new roots go through the compacted layer and also letting air and oxygen get into that soil for it. And not a whole lot of actual pore space has to be created 
with these root systems to help the cropping system really perform in these fields that have endured soil compaction for them. For instance, we talk about macropores and soils and soil aggregation and pore space in between all those aggregates and how beneficial that is to soil and soil health and crop production. If you add up all that pore space that's in between those aggregates and the big macropores from root channels and earthworms and stuff like that, typically it's still only about 1% of all the pore space that's in that soil. But that 1% of pore space can move up to 70% of all the infiltrated water in your field. That 1% of pore space can also help boost your, your crop roots to be able to get underneath that compacted layer and explore that deeper soil, particularly when times of high water needs, when it's filling pods or filling kernels on the cob, during those times of high water needs, it can use the deeper resources that are there below what that compacted layer would be. So now what about more and more growers are making the investment in tracked equipment? Has there been any research that has shown that using tracked equipment is maybe more gentle on soil and causes less compaction? than traditional wheeled equipment? There is research on this and tracked equipment certainly can help lighten uh, or spread out the load of, of equipment out on the soils. Sometimes it does pay for itself, sometimes it doesn't. It, there's other options out there too with it. You can still have tires on your equipment, but if you have the tires that have the footprint that spread out the load of the piece of equipment that they're on, you can still lower the the pressure on the ground and spread out that load. So you can you can get the same benefit from tires as you can from tracks. It's just kind of working out how much weight do you have and how much area are you distributing that weight over. One of the reasons why tracks can oftentimes help prevent the risk of compaction because they are spreading out the load more is because when we have tires on our equipment, a lot of times the tires are not set to the right pressure. If the tires are set to pressures that are appropriate for driving out on out on the roads, they're much higher than what we want to see when that piece of equipment is in the field. So if, if the tires are set at 40 PSI or higher, those are set for road conditions. In the field, we want it down to a quarter, maybe up to a third of that same pressure when it's actually driving out in the field. That way, that lower pressure in the tire, that more of the footprint of the tire is in contact with the ground and spreading out the load of that piece of equipment for it. There are auto inflation equipment available and the prices are, are, are better than what they used to be. So if you have an auto inflation system on your tractor, use the, the time that it takes to lower the pressure and increase the pressure as you go on and off the roads for it, you can get a great benefit with your existing system for it. And if you have radio tires on those, uh, on your equipment, it's best to have them properly inflated for the field. Otherwise, you're not using the technology in that tire of what it's designed to do for it. So it's to get the most out of what you paid for with the technology in your radio tires, you need to have them properly inflated for the field conditions to actually utilize that technology. Kind of thinking about uh, cover crops, and you mentioned earlier that one of the methods you would suggest to uh, help alleviate soil compaction is to get as many crops on that field as possible to help those roots 
break up some of that compaction. And, and we know that cover crops can do that, but is there a concern that additional field traffic that would be required to seed those cover crops, unless you were using aerial application, would that additional traffic be contributing to soil compaction? Is there kind of a trade-off there? Yes. If the field is too wet to drive on, uh, so in other words, if the field is wet enough to where you're going to cause ruts <laughs> just by getting out there and planting that cover crop, then you're adding compaction in front of the cover crop that you're hoping will help correct compaction for it. So it's it's the timing and the field conditions for planting uh, need to be paired together really well. So kind of like with planting the cash crop, moisture conditions to plant that you aim for out there, to some degree, you also want to try to aim for something similar with your cover crops. Now that can be difficult, especially when you're seeding cover crops after you've harvested your cash crop, because it's probably drier than uh, than typical uh, when you'd be planting in other situations. But at least in those situations, the soil is probably going to be drier if you had something like a short season cash crop on the field. So something like wheat or barley or oats or something uh, out there. If you had longer season crops like corn and you're in a region that has a narrow growing window in between wet seasons or the winter, then the timing can be difficult for getting in the cover crops when the soils are dry enough to hold up the equipment to plant it, but yet are have the moisture in the ground to actually get the cover crop to germinate and put on as much biomass and, and root biomass as possible before either the winter kill occurs or by time your next cash crop comes in and you uh, you terminate intentionally. Aaron, this has been really fascinating information, but unfortunately we're running short on time today. Where can our listeners go for more information on soil compaction and, and also how cover crops can help with soil compaction? So you can either reach out to me directly at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N dot day, D-A-I-G-H at N-D-S-U dot E-D-U. You can feel free to email me for more information. You can also look at our extension programs at North Dakota State University with the soil health program that we have that you can easily find online. Fantastic. Thanks again so much for joining us, Aaron. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Once again, I want to thank Yetter Manufacturing for sponsoring today's episode. Find solutions to your challenges today at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. For more information about all things cover crops, visit us online at covercropstrategies.com.